Our scripture reading this morning will be from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We're in a sermon series called In the Light, and we're talking about how our light shines in darkness. And if there was ever a time to let our light shine, it's now. Let our light shine brightly and boldly. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how we are to walk in the light, walking in the light. I love that concept of walking. Do you, do you enjoy a, a good walk, a nice walk? It might be to a place or a destination, or maybe it's just for, for pleasure. There's a lot of reasons we walk, to exercise, to unwind, to, to just see nature and get a breath of fresh air, just to see those familiar sights. So we walk sometimes for purpose, but we also walk at times for pleasure. Or maybe we do, the both, do both at the same time. We're on a journey. And that journey didn't begin today. It started at creation. In a very real way, it started at the cross. That's why those early Christians in the book of Acts were called followers of the way. And we're on a journey. And this, that was the case last week, the case last month, last year. And it's also the case for today. We're on a journey, and we have been. It's true today, tomorrow, and the weeks ahead. And as we journey, as we walk this, through this life, I hope we'll do it with both purpose and pleasure. Because if we don't do it without purpose, we're just like that human in a hamster wheel. Going nowhere, running and going nowhere. Just trying to make it through, to hunker down and to endure what life is throwing at us. But let's walk with purpose and with a destination in mind. To go where God is calling us to go. And do, where God is, do what God is God calling us to do. I mean, I, I don't know what tomorrow today. And so be careful about saying today or tomorrow we'll do this or that because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Instead, let's say if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. And so let's walk into where, where tomorrow leads us with him leading us on that journey. And so let's think about that journey. And here's a, a description of that purposeful walk I think God's calling us to. It's in our text in 1 John chapter 1. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. So let's take that beautiful little passage and think, make a few simple observations about what God would say to us today on this journey. And first of all, I just observe that we walk with God. We're not alone. We walk with God in a very real sense. Well, I can't come close to understanding all that that means and the eternal nature of the journey God has us on. 
I do think that in a very real way, we're joining with God on that journey. And I hope that gives you some peace and confidence in these unprecedented times. One of our members, Bobby Ross, who's the editor-in-chief of the Christian Chronicle, wrote this past Friday a piece in Religion Unplugged. And he asked the question, is this the biggest story we've ever seen? And he asked that from several different uh, people who write for different organizations to give their feedback. Bobby kind of summarizes it from his perspective and said it's too soon to know if this is the, the biggest story. And he reflects on some of the major stories he's reported on over time. Well, from my perspective, I'd agree with Bobby. It's, it's too soon to know if this is the biggest story. But it's also interesting to think about it from God's perspective. What this journey looks like to him is probably a little different than what it looks like to me and, and even you. This might be the toughest thing you've gone through or our nation's gone through. But from God's perspective, it looks different. This isn't too tough for God. And that's also true for those of us who walk alongside God. And this passage tells us there's great benefit in walking with God in the light. Now, I don't mean to diminish your perspective on what's taking place in any way whatsoever. I always kind of chuckle and say, if it's the hardest thing you've ever been through, it's the hardest thing you've ever been through, which makes it the hardest thing you've ever been through. So don't be surprised that it's so hard. And I know this is challenging in different ways for each of us. But if we pause and think about it from God's perspective, at least as we make this journey, we're not walking alone. We walk in the light. He's there with us. And that's the benefit of having God alongside us. We're walking in the light. I enjoy a good walk. Do you? In fact, I often enjoy going for a walk with my wife. When I walk with my wife, I try and remind her we're going on a light walk. It's not spelled L-I-G-H-T. It's spelled L-I-T-E. When I walk, I like to walk just for the sights and the conversation. But when Brenda walks, she enjoys all of those things, but she also enjoys the benefit of exercise as well. Me, on the other hand, I just believe in light walking. You might even call it a stroll. I might even saunter a bit, maybe amble. And on occasion, I might even perambulate. Yeah, look it up. It's a real word. So as we walk through life, we're not looking for the easy road, though, the light path, L-I-T-E. Instead, we journey through life with God, in the light, with his presence with us. Back a little bit earlier in our text, 1 John 1, verse 5, we see a benefit of this journeying with God. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. What a benefit of walking with God, that we have light. There's no darkness at all. We don't have to worry about stumbling or falling. He lights up our path. Nothing is hidden to trip us up. There are no hidden shadows to scare us. What a beautiful thought. Now, when I go on a journey at night, oftentimes I might take a flashlight. What a beautiful tool. It does have a limited range. It often causes more shadows. And at times you have to be careful about using all of its power. So you might have to turn it off and make part of the journey without the use of the flashlight. It is, after, after all, called a flashlight. Just gives you a little light, a flash of light, temporary. 
But when we journey with God, it's not a flashlight. It's God's light. The same light that was available before the sun was created. That same light is by nature eternal. It was present before, now, and will always be. So we can walk that journey. A good journey with a good shepherd. Psalm 23, 4 reminds us that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What a beautiful thought. We walk with God. We have benefit of light. But back in our text, we also see the, the joy of this journey is that we walk with one another. We're not alone. We have fellowship with one another. There's the old joke of a guy driving his car out in a desolate area in the country, and he drove his car into a, a ditch, and he was stuck. And a farmer came along back in the days where they, they had uh, big horses that would plow. And he came along with his big horse named Buddy to pull out the, the driver. So he hooked up to the car, and Buddy was, Buddy was blind, so he hooked up to the car, and, and then he hollered out, Pull, Buster, pull! And Buddy just stood there, and he said, pull, Nelly, pull, and Buddy just stood there. He said, pull, Coco, pull, and Buddy just stood there. Finally, he just said, hey, pull, Buddy, pull, and Buddy pulled the car out, and the driver was, was so thankful. He said, I am a little curious, though. Why did you call your horse by the wrong name three times? He said, oh, Buddy's blind, and if he thought he was the only one pulling, he would have never tried. You know, Right now, it might look like that you're all alone, that nobody else is there. But I'm here to remind you, we're in this together. We're walking along this journey with one another. We are not alone. Our fellowship is with each other and with God. Walking in the light leads to fellowship with one another. Isn't that a joy? Doesn't that give you great confidence to know that we're not walking alone? And the great benefit of, of that journey is that we walk in fellowship. When we walk with one another, we're able to walk in fellowship with one another. And our fellowship is based on a fellowship with God. And this fellowship that we have is created by God. 1 John 1.3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is based on our fellowship with God. And God created that. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He made this fellowship we have. Fellowship is translated from the word uh, koinonia, which means just joint participation, having in common, communion, sharing, having things in mutual together. What a beautiful concept, this concept of koinonia, what we have together. I like the Navy definition of fellowship, which is just simply two fellows in the same ship. <laughs> and in some respect, that's a pretty good definition of fellowship. Two fellows on the same ship with something in common. You know, we have something in common as well. We have the same Savior. And because of that, we are in this together. We're not alone. We have a common fellowship. 
We have fellowship with one another. I think at a time like this, it's good to be reminded of some of those beautiful one another passages in the Bible. I thought I'd just highlight a, a few of them. Romans 2.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. I mean, this is a time to be thinking of each other and to show our care and concern in a very real and specific way. Another one of those passages is Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, this has never been my strong suit. I mean, my wife, my grandkids, my mom, I'm okay with this. But I'm pretty easy to give this up right now with you and with others. But what I'm not fine with is giving up showing our love to each other. It's a sign of our love. And so let's throw those kisses Let's, uh, let's be thinking about one another, and let's serve one another in love. Let's encourage each other. First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. We need encouragement at this time. First Thessalonians 5.15, try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Hebrews 10.24, spur one another on to lo toward love and good deeds. James 5.16, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Well, this is a time where we need to be praying very diligently for each other. And we have to be aware of those needs and concerns so we can be praying. And love one another deeply from the heart. This world can be a discouraging place. But as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not alone. Even when we feel lonely. Do you remember Elijah in the Old Testament who was so discouraged that he wished that, he, that the Lord would just take his life? One of the reasons Elijah was so despondent was the thought that he was all alone in his struggle. So Elijah gave this message to God. He told God in 1 Kings 19 verse 14. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God, Elijah came to God in his moment of, of despair. And what God did in return was to give Elijah hope. And besides ministering to his physical needs, he also went on to give him the hope that he was not alone. Here's God's message back to Elijah. 1 Kings uh, 19 verse 18. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. The message was simply, you are not alone. There are 7,000 people that are still on your side and my side. And with that wonderful news, Elijah's spirits lifted and were renewed and he was able to return to his duties, what God called him to do. I think God's message for us today is it might look like you're alone. And it might feel like you're alone. But you're not. God's with you. And because of being with God, he has brought you into fellowship with others. Are you feeling alone today as, as we worship? Oftentimes when we come together and worship on Sundays, I miss Christians that I know that are around the world. And it's very common for me to think that today or at this moment or, or on this day that they're going to be gathering around the table and communing with God just just like I have or I am 
I think of my dear brothers and sisters in Christ in, in Achilles, or maybe people we know in some rural town or in Germany or Nicaragua, or maybe our brothers and sisters in Montreal that are tuning in and worshiping with us today in Ecuador and Guatemala. It's always stirred my heart to think that others around the world, others that are not in my immediate presence are giving worship to God as well. And it stirs my heart today in a way it never has before. We're not alone as we give our worship to God. And we're not alone as we give our efforts, our work to God either. We need to be reaching out to each other, taking supplies, Call into the church office. We're keeping up with the needs that other people have. And we're constantly having people call and say, is there anything I can help? And we can, we can uh, let them know ways that they can help serve those who are in need. We're looking for ways that we can reach out to, to those kids that aren't able to go to school and, with, and help out with meals for them. There are ways that we can still serve alongside each other. We, like Elijah, are not alone. Our lives have become entwined with one another because of our faith. And because of that, we are moving closer together, especially as we feel each other's strains and struggles. May this be a time that we deeply care for one another. At the risk of oversimplifying, let me suggest just a couple of observations that are expressions of true koinonia. First, it's just a share something with someone, something tangible, maybe a, a letter, maybe supplies that you can share to help meet the need of another. And another way to have real koinonia is to share in something with someone else. When there's weeping, then share in it with the one who weeps. And when it's struggling, share with one another in our struggles. We are in this together. We're sharing it together. May God bless that tie that binds us. In the words of John Fawcett, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers. Our fears, our hopes, our aims are one. Our comforts and our cares. Fellowship means a lot more than just a casual conversation when we gather in worship. It's more than just a small, simple talk as we eat together. It is a sharing of life, a partnership together in a common cause. It is spiritual oneness. We walk with God in light and we walk with one another in fellowship. And that passage also tells us one other benefit. We walk with Jesus. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. And walking with Jesus should give us great courage and confidence for the journey and where we're headed. God's made provisions to deal with this journey and to deal with the, most, the biggest challenge of this journey, and that's the struggle we have with sin. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can stay in the light, both now and forevermore. Physically, there is nothing that can separate us from God. And because of this beautiful journey with Jesus and his blood, there, spiritually, there is nothing that can separate us from God. His blood purifies us, cleanses us. 
Our sin's not only forgiven, it is erased. We're purified, it's gone. It's not covered over, it's not postponed, it is gone. You know, being pure and purifying ourselves is a, a big topic right now. And so we wash our hands, we sanitize everything, we cough into our elbows, we give distance, and still the contamination spreads. But when it comes to us being purified from our sins, we have the blood of Jesus who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So when we walk with Jesus, the benefit is that we can walk in purity. What a beautiful thought that God covers us during this time, that he's there for us. We walk with Jesus in purity. It's, you know, it's hard to, to grasp how blood can do that, how Jesus' blood can do that. In the Old Testament, followers would symbolically transfer their sins onto an animal, and then that animal would be sacrificed. You can see a description of this in Leviticus chapter 4. And the animal died in the place of their sins to pay for their sin and allow them to continue living in favor with God. And God would graciously forgive them because of the faith they had in him and how they obeyed his commandments concerning sacrifice. But those sacrifices were just in anticipation of the day Christ would completely remove our sins. Real cleansing from sin came with Jesus, the Lamb of God. In the words of John in John 1.29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Sin by nature brings death. And Jesus didn't die for his own sins. He had none. He did something that as humans we'll never fully understand. He died for the sins of all who will believe. And when we're baptized into Christ, his death becomes ours. He paid the penalty of our sins, and his blood cleanses, it purifies us. So we walk in the light, and his blood cleanses us. Because in that light, we refuse to hide sin. We can't hide sin. It can't be hidden. It's exposed. But as it is exposed, the blood of Jesus helps us deal with that sin. Will we stumble today and in the days and weeks ahead? Yes. But we can walk in confidence in God, knowing that in light of our sins and our stumbles, they can be forgiven. They will be forgiven. And that's the best news. And it gives us great confidence on this journey that we can make it to the destination's end. We walk with Jesus. 30 years ago this week, this church family started going to a remote mountain village in Aquiles, Mexico over spring break on a mission trip. It was a rural mountain village that rarely saw vehicles, had no electricity, and didn't have running water except for the stream that ran down the side of, of the mountain. One of the things that impressed me, and I think everyone that went to Aquiles, 
was how going there changed our perspective. We watched people come from up and down that, that remote mountain valley to walk to church. 30 minutes, an hour, two and a half hours down out of the mountain and up into the valley. It definitely changed my perspective of how I felt when I had to park in the back parking lot and walk all the way to the building. It no longer sounded so bad. Well, in the 30 years since we started going to Aquiles, a lot of things have changed there. They dammed up the little spring and ran some pipes into town and into a tank and then pipes from that tank into their homes. Electricity is available in the village if people can afford it. You even see some vehicles around. There's been another change. It was sad and even tragic when several years ago we had to stop going because travel on some of those highways in that state became too dangerous to allow us to go see them. I miss our friends and our brothers and our sisters. The missionary there sent me emails even this week checking on us. And letting us know that in April, they're going to be giving out those care packages like we always did over spring break. And they're praying for us. Much has changed in those 30 years. But there is something that hasn't changed. It hadn't changed in the past 30 years. And it didn't change this past week. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. So let's walk in the light. Let's go. We've got this. May our dread be overwhelmed by anticipation. We're walking in the light. So God bless and keep you on the journey. Walk in the light.